Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, where each week, Dr. Frank Domino, along with his guests, translates today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. Now, broadcasting from the University of Massachusetts Medical School in Worcester, Mass., your host, Dr. Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health, and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. KR is a 51-year-old female in your practice, and she presents today and looks worried. She tells you that her oldest daughter just gave birth prematurely and that her mother was recently diagnosed with dementia. She owns her own accounting firm, and it's the middle of tax season. When you ask her what's going on, she states that she keeps forgetting things and she's worried that she too may be developing dementia. Hi, this is Frank Domino, professor of family medicine and community health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Joining me today is Robert Baldor, professor and senior vice chair in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School. Welcome to the show, Bob. Thanks, Frank. It's uh, glad to be back here again. Great to have you. So today we're going to talk a little bit about dementia. In particular, um, the new uh, neurology guidelines on what we should be doing with regard to screening. Can you give me an update on that, please? Sure. I must say that uh, it was interesting to me that this was the first updated guideline on screening for dementia since 2001. So uh, uh, surprising it took that long to have an update. This is a very comprehensive um, uh, evaluation covering uh, prevalence, uh, incidence, uh, screening, uh, and, and, and treatment. So today I want to talk a little bit about uh, sort of some of the prevalence in the screening. But first, let me give you a definition. So they're talking about mild cognitive impairment. And so what this is, it's a condition in which individuals demonstrate cognitive impairment, but minimal impairment of what's called instrumental activities of daily living. So somewhat like your patient coming in uh, uh, talking about. Now it can be the first cognitive expression of Alzheimer's disease but it can also be secondary to any number of neurologic uh, processes other than uh, Alzheimer's disease, whether it's a neurodegenerative or psychiatric disorders. Now, interestingly enough, uh, mild cognitive impairment is broken into two different classes. The first is amnestic. Amnestic is a syndrome in which mostly it's a memory dysfunction that predominates, and a little bit what your, your, your friend is worried about, she's forgetting things. Uh, the other one is uh, non-amnestic, and this is impairment of other cognitive features, language, uh, executive function, and so on, and that those are much more prominent. So just to think a little bit what we're talking about here for, for the incidence, for the, for the, for the syndrome. Um, so the other thing they did in this study, they reviewed what's the incidence uh, of this um, and, and the progression of, uh, of mild cognitive impairment. And so uh, roughly the, uh, about 8% of those in their 60s will suffer from mild cognitive impairment. 12% of those in their 70s, and 25%, a quarter of those in their 80s, will suffer from mild cognitive impairment. Now, it is associated with having obtained a lower educational level to begin with, and part of that may be a testing artifact. Uh, you know, how well you do on tests, and if you have less education, you're less likely to do well on a test. That, that may be what's going on uh, there. Now, the question really is, is, okay, does it progress? And fascinating, about 15% of those who've been diagnosed with mild cognitive impairment over the age of 65 will go on to progress to have dementia. So 15%, in my mind, okay, that's not too bad. So the, what happens to the other 85%? Well, either they'll stay the same or they'll actually um, improve. And so that was really fascinating to understand sort of the, the basic epidemiology of this. Uh, that's disease. pretty fascinating as well as reassuring. It's a little worrisome that 
uh, with the, the generation that's in their 80s and older, one in four may develop a problem, but uh, that, that just a small percentage will go on to progress is, 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 is encouraging. So at the annual wellness visit, um, we're encouraged and not required to do a cognitive evaluation on our seniors. What did the guidelines suggest we do? Well, it's interesting. They actually picked up on this as being uh, something that the uh, annual wellness uh, exam uh, suggests that we do a, uh, an assessment to detect cognitive impairment and that we actually use some sort of a brief validated instrument. And that's what the guidelines said. We should be assessing for uh, mild cognitive impairment with a validated tool and that we should be monitoring patients with these who have been diagnosed with this over time, repeating the use of that tool, and that we should be looking at modifiable risk factors. And so if you think about this tool, it's really interesting. So they're saying uh, there's lots of different instruments that are actually out there uh, to be used, and there's no instrument that's actually been proven to be superior to another. And so for the most part, we've got to understand these are screening instruments. So if you're screening for mild cognitive impairment, somebody fails a screening instrument, you have to do more formal assessment, and that would be full normal uh, psychological um, uh, testing. Now, um, you may have recalled there was a lot of uh, publicity here uh, earlier this year when uh, President Trump had passed his uh, executive physical and said he passed a cognitive exam. What does that really mean? And it was interesting because there was an article about this in the New York Times, and what he had done was the MOCA. So the MOCA is the Montreal Cognitive Assessment uh, Tool. It's a 10-minute uh, screening exam to highlight possible problems that are, um, that, are, that are out there. And so this was, um, it was designed about 20 years ago and really meant to replace the mini mental statics exam, which most of us learned and are quite familiar with. MOCA right now is used in all 31 of the NIH Alzheimer's Disease Center. So it's probably a tool we should be thinking about, uh, about using. I'm not familiar with the MOCA at all, Bob. What's it entail? Well, Frank, I have a copy right in front of me, and we could do the MOCA right now if you'd like. So, Absolutely. Frank, what do you, can you name these objects for me? What is that? That would be a lion. And what's that? A rhinoceros. And how about that? That's a camel. So, <laughs> so you can see this is some of the uh, different screens on here, a little, little simpler, but some of this pulls off of the mini mental statics. For example, can you copy this cube? Uh, can you draw a line connecting these dots? Can you draw a clock, which is 10 past, uh, and right on it, 10 past 11. And then there's the memory test, of course. Things like serial sevens are, are on here. Uh, can you repeat some languages? So I only know that John is the one to help today. Can you say that? Repeat that to me. I only know that John is the one to help today. And the cat always hid under the couch when dogs were in the room. The cat always hid under the couch when dogs were in the room. Wonderful. So you're really doing very well. So some of these are some short-term memory things, but that's the MOCA. It's, it's relatively straightforward. Um, but a little bit of the MOCA, it's, it's, um, you know, it's a screening test. Uh, and, and, and for somebody who has a higher level of, 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 of professional uh, attainment, educational attainment, it's going to be a little harder to fail this test than somebody who has not been at, uh, at that point. Well, Bob, that's great. Uh, I'm thrilled to learn about the MOCA and learn that the guidelines have at least give us some direction in how we should be screening patients. I also really appreciate your admonition that these are screening tools. And if it comes back positive, we should probably do a more confirmatory, much greater uh, examination. Any final thoughts? Well, I just want to say that uh, yes, you've done that formal evaluation, and now you've confirmed that somebody actually has a mild cognitive impairment. The next steps here are to uh, look for any potentially um, uh, risk factors, things that you can do to address this. Number one is medications. 
Are they on medications that are potentially impairing their cognition? Can we stop those? How necessary are they for their functioning? Number two is look for reversible medical conditions. And number one on that, depression. And depression's, you know, probably a little bit more uh, prevalent than we realize. And number two, sleep disorders. And people who aren't sleeping well will then go on to have issues. I want to come back to that case that you presented. Yes, KR. That woman sounded really stressed. And so she's stressed. I bet she's not sleeping well. I bet she's depressed. And you think about those as factors. That's probably more likely what's going on in her world than the fact that she's developing dementia. Although you won't know for sure until you actually do some formal validated screening, um, screening on her. Well, Bob, thanks so much for coming today and thanks for bringing this to our attention. Um, in our next podcast, we'll be discussing how to uh, go about uh, treating mild cognitive impairment now once you've made the diagnosis. Practice pointer, consider screening patients who are at risk for mild cognitive impairment with the Montreal Cognitive Assessment, the so-called MOCA test. The link for our MOCA is available on our landing page. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. For more information about the article referenced in today's episode, look under the resources section of the episode landing page. Need help reaching your CME credit goal this year? If so, please browse the more than 300 free CME accredited activities now available on PrimeMed.com. Thank you again for listening.